Hey everybody, welcome to the Downtown Community Church Podcast. This is season two of Asking for a Friend. I am your host, William Colley. I'm joined by your lead pastor, Benjamin Kempfer, and his wife, aka the first lady of DCC, Lindsay Kempfer. How you guys doing? Hey, good morning. Good morning. How are we, uh, podcast family? Um, hey, we are excited about season two, episode one of Asking for a Friend, uh, special edition of Mental Health. And a couple things as we get kicked off. Um, one, we're hoping this is super helpful, uh, and we have the honor and privilege of having my wife, Lindsay, with us. Um, as you guys probably mostly know, uh, she's a therapist, um, but she is a therapist plus some more. Um, she's got lots of credentials, so I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Would you list off uh, your credentials <laughs> slash your letters behind your name that is longer than our last name? Sure. Thanks. Um, yeah, so I'm a licensed mental health counselor, a board-certified behavior analyst, and a registered art therapist. I've been in the field for about 10 years. I have a degree in art therapy and then another degree in behavior analysis. I love it. That's, that's a lot more than Ben and I have combined. Yeah, I have zero. <laughs> <laughs> I got a uh, Bible college degree. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> I got a BS, and you can, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go ahead and jump right in. Uh, question number one, how do I know when I should go to a mental health professional and when I should seek wise counsel and help from a mentor, discipler, or accountability partner? Yeah, so before you answer this, Lindsay, and Lindsay's going to honestly give probably most of the answers today. Um, I just want to emphasize one thing because I love this question and why I think this question is really important for everybody is the truth is, is this applies to everybody who is mentoring or discipling anybody. This applies to everybody who is meeting with somebody, all of our community group leaders. Uh, you're always uh, in conversation and people are going through things. People are going through crisis and you're trying to figure out at what point do I punt? At what mm. point do I say, hey, great question. Um that's something you should maybe go talk to somebody who's in a, the professional field yeah. about. So, um, so Lindsay, what do you think? How, at what point, if you're sitting down with somebody and you're mentoring, discipling, or you're the person that's you know thinking about seeking the advice from their mentor, then at, at what point do you say, okay, I think this is I think this is the job for a professional? Um, I think I really look for overall functioning. So whether that's, should I go or should I, what should I do in therapy? Um, I look at how are you sleeping? How are you eating? Um, are you able to focus at work? Are you able to focus in school? Are you withdrawing from friends or even basics? Are you, are you showering? Are you kind of doing the things that you need to do in your daily life? Um, and if the answer to that is no, then maybe it's time for you to actually go see a mental health professional. Hmm. So would you say just generally speaking then, um, if it impedes daily function, uh, just in general in life, not just maybe the basic necessities of taking a shower, but just going to work, being able to focus at work, the levels of stress and anxiety, how would you, how would you separate some of that stuff? Yeah, I think so. If you are having a hard time sleeping at night because you're laying in your bed and you're just ruminating on the same thing over and over again, or you can't get out of bed because you're so depressed that you just hit snooze and you stay in bed all day, um, that is a time that we start to worry about are you able to do what you need to do, or is your mental health impacting your life that you can't get up and you can't go to work or you can't even talk to the friend that you need to talk to in order to get the help that you need. Yeah, that's good. So if I was discipling somebody, maybe the question that I would begin to ask the person who I was talking to is how have you seen this impact your daily life to start to kind of un unearth or uncover whether or not this is something that uh, is impacting them to the point where it kind of debilitates them in some ways. Correct. Or if you are, if you are going to work, but you are just spending your entire day 
constantly worrying. Um, so it can look like even that you're not necessarily unable to shower, but if you just cannot concentrate on what you need to do because of depression, anxiety, stress, disordered eating, that's the time you need to seek help. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's super helpful. And I think that's, you know, kind of knowing those questions to be able to unearth when you're meeting with somebody, I think it's very helpful. So going to the next question, is there a reason that God doesn't release people from their depression? Well, I think this is a good question um, because I think we need to really look at where does depression come from because um, I would argue does it necessarily come from God? Depression can be um, prolonged exposure to stressful situations. Depression can be from something traumatic that's happened in your background. Um, depression can even be genetic. Your brain sometimes does not produce the right amount of neurotransmitters to be able to have that quote unquote normal level of happiness or normal level of um, not worrying. And so I think one of the things we can really look at is kind of where is the depression coming from and evaluating that. Yeah, I think on a, on a base level, too, there's a couple of thoughts that I have, and this is kind of, I guess, more towards the some of the theology end of it, is that one, um, kind of the question of where does depression come from? You know, that's that's a it's a product of uh, Genesis, the fall, you know, all sickness, all um, suffering, all uh, death really entered the world at that point. And so that's when kind of God's plan originally got distorted. Um, but I think beyond that, the I guess I had I'd have a couple answers for this. Um, one would be to say, is there a reason God doesn't release people from their depression? It's a good question. Um, I would probably, in, as sensitively as I can say, the better question is, why hasn't God released me from my depression? Because I would say that God does. You know, God does heal people from cancer. That doesn't mean he's going to heal my cancer. Uh, and the second thought would be along the ideas of what it means to actually be healed, you know, uh, and you could probably speak to this a little bit more, Lindsay, but does healed mean the instantaneous, uh, miraculous sign and healing, or does that also come through therapy? Uh, does that also come through perhaps medication and, and the miracle of, of modern science and things like that? So I think yeah. defining what healing is, defining what released from mm -hmm. means and looks like would probably be helpful. Right. I agree because I think the term release makes it seem like it's fast or instantaneous. And a lot of times when I'm working with depression, it's a very long process and it takes a long time to change. And also depression can be cyclical. So you can have a reprieve from your depression and then in a few months or a few years you can feel depressed again and that's part of that diagnosis and that doesn't mean that God gave it back to you um, but again I think really people with dealing with depression want that relief fast and sometimes depression does take months to heal from yeah the only thing I'd, I'd, I'd add to that too is that um, you know Paul was a person who at times had difficult things happen to him he was a guy who uh, you know, said he prayed three times for this thorn that was in his side and said, God, take this away. God, take this away. God, take this away. Um, and, and you can read this in, in second Corinthians. Um, and eventually, uh, in chapter 12, uh, God's response is my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power uh, may rest on me. And so in some ways, um, it was this sense that, uh, Paul said, man, I'm going to boast in the fact that I am insufficient, the fact that I have weaknesses, the fact that I have you know, a lack of strength, and in that it's going to be really apparent that Jesus is the one that's working through me because I'm going to rest on his strength. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, that's great. <clears throat> and this is kind of off the cuff, but Lindsay, for you, how how prevalent is depression? You know, when you, uh, how how often do you see it in in the workplace of you know people you meet with? It seems I don't know. It seems to me like everybody I talk to has at some point dealt with depression or is dealing with some level of depression. It's much more common than what we think. The majority of the people that I meet with um, are dealing with depression or anxiety, and it's they feel alone because since it's not a visible thing, they feel like they're the only ones that are dealing with this. Um, but it's a very, very common thing. And I would also argue that symptoms of stress can mimic symptoms of anxiety and depression. Hmm. And so when yeah. I meet with people, I really talk about, too, what are your stress levels? Um, yeah. Because that's something, too, that we need to evaluate of how what is my stress and how is that impacting uh, my mental health as well. Mm. And it, and it's, I was talking with a guy uh, from church last week and he was sharing how when he went through a season of depression, he didn't really know he was in that season of depression, you know, it was kind of going, th he was, uh, he thought he was dealing with some physical side effects from the past, goes to his doctor and realizes, you know, starts to go to a therapist and realize, oh, wow, I'm depressed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I'm sure that's pretty common too, to kind of be aware of those, those symptoms and things that are happening. Um, awesome. So let's go to the next question. Uh, question number three, what would you say to someone who is dealing with depression and can't get out of bed or spend time with Jesus because they feel so bad, but then feel worse because they aren't spending time with Jesus? So it's like the cycle of like... Yeah, it's that cyclical <laughs> pattern of yeah. I'm, I'm not doing this and now I feel worse because I'm not doing it, but the fact that I feel worse because I'm not doing it drives me even further into the Yeah. Cycle. So even though they love Jesus and they know what they should do, they just can't seem to get out of that pattern. So what would you say to somebody like that? Well, I think this goes back to the first question, which is, at what point do I need to go see a therapist? And if um, someone is unable to get out of bed because of their depression, um, certainly the guilt of not spending time with Jesus is adding to that. But that mm -hmm. would be a time that I would say, maybe you need to go see a mental health professional. And maybe even you need to get on some medicine that is going to help improve your mood enough to get out of bed and to um, give you the energy to open the Bible and to pray. Um, so that's what I would suggest for that one. Yeah, and I'd say with that, you know, there's the, the Bible says really clearly there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I think the, the really important part of that is the moment that we start to feel condemned by it, you know, there, there's a point of conviction says, that says I ought to, man, I really should, I yeah. want to, you know. Uh, and the way I think about that is conviction compels me, um, but condemnation um, in a lot of ways degrades me makes me feel like I'm awful, I'm terrible, right? Yeah. Well, the point was I was never supposed to be great. That's why Jesus came. And so I want to be compelled towards that. I want to be convicted towards that. But as soon as it starts to get into this level of condemnation, um, just know that that's not of Jesus. But I think you're absolutely right. That, that's that's more of the effect and the cause uh, is depression. Yeah, it's great. I remember when I first realized the difference between condemnation and conviction, how freeing that was because... Mm -hmm. You know, you, you tend to just beat yourself up over something like this. In some cases like this, it's kind of out of your control. Right. And also guilt is a, a symptom of depression. So having kind of excessive guilt about certain things in life. And so part of the depression and the friend that can't get out of bed is maybe that it's manifesting in this guilt of my relationship with Jesus isn't what it should be. Yeah, that's great. Um, all right. So last question for this episode. Um, excited about this one. So how do I help a friend who is dealing with a mental illness when I am not? How can I help them more than just saying, pray about it? 
So the number one thing I hear um, when I meet with students is this fear of being a burden to their friends. Hmm. Um, and so a lot of, uh, well, I don't want to bother my friends with my depression. I don't want to, they are going through their own things. And so people that are dealing with any type of mental illness want to isolate themselves because they feel a burden, not only to themselves, but then they're afraid that they're going to be a burden to their friends. So I would say if you have a friend dealing with mental health, be there for them. Um, and when they don't respond to text or when they don't come out to, you know, any type of social event, um, to just be patient with them, uh, maybe even sometimes going over to see them, putting in more energy and effort to know that they are being supported um, and to just to be there for them. And even sometimes that could be that you encourage them or you walk with them to the counseling center and take them to go see a therapist or um, and support them in the help that they need. Yeah, it's interesting because for me, um, so even just doing this whole sermon series has been uh, a little bit fun and a little bit challenging because um, I have friends, I have family who have uh, struggled with mental illness, uh, but it's not something that I personally have uh, dealt with and done specifically towards mental illness. But again, everybody has mental health, um, but it's been it's been really important for me uh, to do a really great job of listening. I think I think uh, for me, oftentimes the the natural go to is I want to help. What can I do to help? And help implies action. Uh, and oftentimes um, praying for that person, uh, just reaching out to the person uh, and just doing a great job of listening is super important because it seems so passive that it seems ineffective. Um, but the truth is, it's kind of like you were saying, that person feels isolated. Uh, the person feels oftentimes like they're a burden. But to know that, man, you are not a burden. I love you. I care about you. Uh, and I hear you and you are known and you're not alone in this. Um, again, I haven't experienced the personal effect of that, but from everyone that I have uh, spent time with who has, those are some of the key things um, as a friend, how we can kind of love and serve that person. Would you agree with that? Just kind of listening well? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because I certainly can't connect or I haven't experienced every single thing that my clients come in with. But the biggest part of, you know, being a therapist and helping people is, is that is listening and just not trying to fix the problem, not trying to come up with solutions, but sometimes yeah. just letting them talk and to process and to hold that weight and that emotion with your friend. Yeah. I'd even say <laughs> truthfully, even outside of mental health, uh, in marriage, there are times where you and I will talk about something and, uh, you know, you'll come home and there'll be something that you're talking about and processing. And I jump straight into, okay, so what are we going to do? How are we going to help? You know, are you going to, you know, are you going to have this conversation or not? You know, I mean, that's, <laughs> there's all these things that I want to jump into so we can do. And you'll just kind of say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I just need to tell you about this. And I'm like, okay, I heard it. So what are we going to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I got an answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but there's a plan. There needs to be a plan. It's going to continue to happen if we don't do something about it. Um, but, uh, and I'm sure I do the same thing to you at times where I just need to get it off my chest and to kind of have somebody be a lightning rod or to vent to somebody about stuff. Um, but just feeling like somebody else knows and I can process it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's great. So, um Let's kind of end with this. So if somebody is, you know, they're listening to this and they're kind of like, man, I feel like I do need to talk to somebody. I do feel like, you know, man, I haven't showered in a week, <laughs> you know, I haven't gotten out of bed. I have, And I not in like an emo hippie way. Yeah. That like yeah. You're like cool and you go to coffee shops. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what are some first steps people can take, um, whether whether they're in school or whether they're, you know, in the workforce of going to see a therapist? 
Well, I think if you're in school, the easiest route is to go to the counseling center. Um, they are a walk-in system Monday through Friday um, from 8 to 4. So you can walk in and be seen uh, by a therapist, usually within 30, 45 minutes. Um, if you are in the working force or if you are not a student at um, FSU, then you can either check with your insurance about what your plan is and what it covers. And mm-hmm. then usually your insurance will have a list of providers of therapists um in your area that are covered or you can go to the website psychologytoday.com and research therapists in your area as well in your area your zip code shopping for a therapist um is can be difficult because you need to find the person that you feel comfortable with and sometimes it may not be the first person that you meet with and that's okay um but i think it's finding the right fit the person that you feel comfortable discussing um and it can it can be a challenge but don't give up on that yeah i love it yeah, I love that side, especially that psychology today. And I'd also just say that if, even if you don't go to Florida State, I'm pretty sure every university here, at least in Tallahassee, has some version or variation of a counseling center. Yeah, they do. Uh, yeah. And, and one of the great things um, that I'm sure all counseling centers have, but I know Florida State has, is uh, if you go and it's you know part of your tuition is that it you know goes to help pay for the counseling center. Um, if they want uh, and feel like okay, we need to refer you out into the community because uh, they're not set to be you know your therapist for the next decade uh, then they have in people whose entire job is to say what what help do you need what's the area of specialty what insurance do you have matching you with the right providers and the right people so absolutely use that as a resource especially if you're anywhere around uh, the college age yeah sounds great well that concludes uh episode one season two of asking for a friend thank you guys for the questions we will be uh, posting uh, an, another set of questions next week. So we'd love to hear from you. Thank you, Lindsay, for joining us Thank today. Thank you. And Reverend Ben Kempfer. Yo, yo. And uh, you guys have a great week, and we'll see you on Sunday.